This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. You've got to be careful of that because you're not doing any research yourself and so you're just jumping on board someone else's uh, advice and that's typically when people get burnt. Investors Podcast, Episode 3. In the books. Happening. We're ready to rock and roll. Really cool topic. We, we kind of obviously are building out a bit of a journey at the moment for everyone to go on through the Investors Podcast. And um, obviously it's a massive pillar of what we're trying to do here, life-changing conversations. And I think wealth and, and the ability to build wealth plays a big role in opportunities, um, you know, being able to take opportunities and, and understanding that um, the reality is money and wealth does play a role in happiness to a certain point. So giving people um, insight into that and how they can start to, to take steps um, and, and kind of make these leaps and bounds is something that we want to do. Um, and, and obviously we're talking about investing because that's, I think that's something, you know, some people will have a job, they'll have a business, they'll have all these different, um, or like have different circumstances. But the one thing that everybody has in common is the ability to invest from this point on, obviously if you have access to it. Um, so one thing that we talked about with, with one of the issues that people face is um, active versus passive investing, right? So, uh, and this is, there is no right or wrong here. Um, it, it's more so individual, you know, what, what kind of time do you have? What, what do you actually want to do? How risk averse are you? All these kind of questions. But um, I might throw it to you now and, and what do you actually mean by active investing versus passive investing? Yeah, so... Active investing is obviously when you take a more hands-on approach. Uh, you're dedicating your time. You're dedicating um, your like your learning capacity, uh, and you've got a desire to learn about individual companies, um, or it could be anything. It could be whatever niche you're in, uh, and actually spending the time to actually uh, research those areas and then applying a lot of your energy to that. Whereas uh, passive investing is more about uh, just sort of setting money aside and letting it roll over into uh, some sort of investing vehicle um, that you can then just sort of rely on as a savings vehicle as opposed to just trying to build up your wealth via knowing exactly what you're investing into. So I would assume that, I mean, my mind automatically goes to obviously risk one being more risk with much higher reward which is the active investing uh, and the other being um, you know a lot more uh, having a lot more stability right so you're not going to get as higher returns um, but you you can probably get those more constant returns where you know that it's probably going to be around that 10 to 20 percent mark well you're letting someone else do the hard work for you so when it comes to passive investing you're typically investing in something like an etf or a REIT or something along those lines that you just sort of roll your money over into every week, every month, whatever it may be, uh, and that um, takes care of itself for you. Uh, Purely because you either don't have the time to invest into researching uh, different investment vehicles, or you just don't have the desire to um, because you're focused on your career or your family or whatever it may be. So I want to go back to, because I mean, I think that's the most important thing, right? Is like, as I said, that we, we, we both agree that there really is no right or wrong way. There's just what suits you as an individual. 
um, and, and passive investing is, is for that person who's not as risk averse. They probably don't want to spend the time doing it. They just they know that they, sh they want to get into it. They know that it's going to get them a return and it's, it's a part of their wealth building journey. You mentioned an ETF and you mentioned some of these different options that you have there in terms of passive investing. What is an ETF um, and you know, uh, how does somebody uh, start to understand uh, where to find this and potentially what, what you know? Um, well, this is where the, it gets a little bit more difficult because again, you probably need to spend some time researching into all the different ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so an ETF is essentially uh, a managed fund uh, either from a hedge fund or something along those lines where you have really smart people looking after that money uh, for you and it's just a, uh, a mass of wealth from different investors uh, and they put that money to work for you. They typically take a fee um, for their time and their hard work uh, but ultimately they, they do all that hard work for you and you can rely on their knowledge, obviously knowing a lot more about it than what you probably do um, and but oh man there's so, so the, many out there though that's yeah. the thing so i guess an example is just like the s&p 500 yeah s&p 500 which factors in the top 500 companies either here in australia or over in the us um that's the general market and that's probably the one that people think of first when they think of investing into just a, a, a hedge fund or whatever um and that one's pretty good because that's where you get your historical average of seven eight percent uh whatever it may be and then you have more of them uh, like your arcs and that sort of thing that are more tech and innovation driven. Shout um, out Kathy Woods. Shout out to Kathy Woods. The G. <laughs> um, otherwise, oh, there's so many. Like you can find ones that are focused on energy. So you, it really comes down to what your preference is, uh, I suppose. But uh, you, the way to look at it is it's kind of like your super. You know, super is exactly the same thing. They're, they're an ETF that's investing your money in the long term. And what do you do with your super? You contribute, or you, sorry, your employer contributes towards that uh, every paycheck or whatever, and it builds up over time. And that's the same way that you should be looking at investing into an ETF. You just put some money aside every uh, paycheck, roll it over into that, and over time that will gradually increase. Yeah, and I guess so. So looking at it from that perspective, then you know, no matter what, you're going to have to do some research, but. I guess when we're looking at, say, passive investing, so someone who doesn't want to dedicate that time and energy, um, their options are is to go on out there and try to find an ETF that either suits um, maybe potentially uh, the brands they like or um, how aggressive they want to be. Um, you know, you talked about ARK Invest, and I think the difference is, is like, you know, you've got the S&P 500, which kind of gets you that 10% return average around about that but then you look at something like arc which they invest pretty heavily in innovation so they're very futuristic in the way they think you know investing in things as such as robotics ai um you know uh, futuristic uh, internet um you know sustainable energy all these types of things and they have a lot of different ets um biotech as well now um space travel so they're, they're investing in a lot of these kind of futuristic um, technologies, technologies, these really innovative um, technologies, and that you know, I think I don't know what they're at right now, but I know that for a while there, they were getting you know seventy percent returns. Um, oh, so they average, I think Arc's main one, Arc K, uh, they generate, I, th I think it's twenty four, twenty five percent 
uh, year over year, yeah. which fantastic return compared to your 10%, which is what your typical S&P 500 is. But the way to differentiate the two is uh, ARK is focused on what's happening in the future, whereas uh, S&P 500 usually um, is focuses yeah, foc- on relevance, but also what has succeeded in the past. You know, so typically they're not going to grow as quickly uh, because a lot of their growth is already factored in and they're typically paying out more in dividends because they've they've sort of, or they don't know how to innovate anymore. So there's nothing else to spend their money on other than rewarding shareholders. So that's the way to differentiate the two because your ARC, they're reinvesting all of their money, if not still raising money um, from the private market or the public market in order to drive growth and drive innovation in those two spaces. Yeah, okay. So there's there's two questions I have for you then, right? And, and I guess two topics that I, I want to follow on. The first one is you talked about dividends. So a dividend is something, uh, it's basically a company will pay you out for the shares you hold in, in uh, that company. Um, and what you're saying is the reason they do that is to actually hold on to the investors to keep the investors. That's to reward the their company. shareholders, yeah. yeah. So essentially it's retained earnings, uh, which is essentially um, their profits. And they'll set aside a, a certain percentage of that to return back to those shareholders who have been with them the whole way. You know, so a, a, a company like Coca-Cola, which has gone through this massive um, growth phase over the last 100 years or whatever it is, they're at a point where it's become really hard to mm. innovate and to create new products. Uh, and so they've just got all this money sitting on the balance sheet as retained earnings. Better to reward those shareholders who were with them from the early days like a Warren Buffett sort of thing, and now he gets his however many billions um, for being a loyal shareholder. He's been invested in them for the last 30, 40 years or whatever it is. You know? yeah. And so that's how they typically spend their money these days. Cool. So, so you know, you can invest in potentially an ETF or even a company that can pay you a dividend, and that's where you actually, instead of just making money on the stock, you're actually getting you know money transferred into your own account as well. And and that's where what you're saying is, if you invest in some of these companies that are a little bit safer, they've already had their success, they've already had their growth spurt, and they're um, solidified themselves in society as a company. Um, you know. You can, you can get that dividend and, and obviously you, you're paying for that security. The follow-up question is more around, it's probably less around inf- informative and more about preference, but um, when we're looking at something like inflation, right, and, and I think this something is something that has to be factored in in this conversation right now. You know, you look at something that the S&P 500 is, you know, getting you a 10% return, it's almost like a hedge you could put your money in that knowing you're going to get that 10% return. I don't know exactly what inflation's at at the moment. And I know some of the numbers can be, um, you know, they can sometimes paint the the incorrect picture or the numbers that we get shown. Um, but, you know, investing in something like the S&P where you're getting that 10, 10% return, you know, if inflation's at 8% or, you know, whatever it's at. And, and for those of you who don't understand inflation, it's obviously the money that's, um, hovering in society, pushing fi- fixed assets up in price and the cost of living up. Um, that's why housing prices are going crazy at the moment. Consumer goods as well. Uh, Coca-Cola's recently said that they're raising their prices. Johnson & Johnson, so a lot of our um, skincare and shampoos and conditioners and all that, that's all now going to increase in price. You, your everyday shop at a supermarket has probably gone up, spending more on utilities, all that sort of thing. Yeah, so, the, so I guess... It's not really a question, but it's a statement that I want you to follow up. But 
you know, getting in the S&P 500 where you've got that 10% return, for those of you who, or to give you a better understanding of inflation is if you've got $50,000 sitting in your bank account, you know, if inflation's at 10%, it's basically saying that year on year that that money becomes uh, 10% less worthy. Yeah, your, your purchasing power decreases by that 10%. Yeah, so... So you're not, it's, it's still going to be that same amount of money in your bank account, but what that money can do for you will actually start to decrease over time. Exactly. And so this is where investing becomes so relevant because you can then uh, grow that money uh, at a pace that is quicker than that inflation. Obviously, yes, there's going to be times where there's a downturn, um, but typically if you hold for the long term, I, th- I think the stat is if you hold for 20%, uh, oh, sorry, for 20 years, there's a 99% chance that you're going to, be successful in the market. That's a pretty good statistic to have. And you're going to outperform uh, that inflation over that course too. So so then when we're talking about active and passive investing, we're going, well, you know, passive investing is almost a way to, uh, you're going to get that return and you might even get better returns than what inflation is, is currently at. Yeah, but it's a way to preserve your wealth. It's a way to preserve your wealth. And I think that's really important for people to understand. That's why investing is so important. Like just hodling cash in your bank account it's actually, you know, cause of inflation at the moment, it's actually decreasing your purchasing power, as you said. So passive investing is a way to, as you said, kind of preserve your wealth. And, and um, I think that's important for people to understand from a psychological perspective as they're investing, right? Yeah. So me and you are active investors, you know, um, especially you, um, but we're looking for companies that are going to actually not just preserve our wealth, but actually help us build it. Um, you know, and, and even ETFs, right? So, you know, you're looking at something like, um, we mentioned Kathy Woods and ARC before, they're getting that 25% year on year. And the, over the last 12 months, I think they had, what, 70% yeah, at some yeah. of their best ones, which is crazy. So yeah. if inflation is at that 8 to 10% and we're getting 70% returns on our money, we're actually starting to build wealth now. And I think, um, you know, that is a, a really good kind of way for us to understand the difference or I guess the psychology for everyone out there on whether you want to really start to build wealth, um, which is active investing, or you want to start, you pretty much just want to preserve your wealth so that your purchasing power still stays there. And that's that's almost like with property as well, right? Like you invest your money in property so that your money will hold its value and you, you can then borrow against that equity. Yeah, in the you future. build up that equity. Yeah, exactly. And so that, so that, that, basically the same premise uh investing in a fund like an etf or whatever and also investing in um in property it's the same premise because you're building up that equity and you're relying on that capital growth um to sustain that wealth that you've already accumulated and by increasing or by adding payments towards either one uh, you are slowly building up that equity which obviously lays you into a good foundation into the future same principle applies with your, uh, your superannuation too. So the more you, uh, you contribute to that, it builds up and then that's what you rely on um, to retire on, essentially. And, but you could still be doing the same thing with the money that's sitting in your bank account. Mm. And that's what is so important. Because as you said, if you keep it sitting there in, the, in, your, uh, in your account doing absolutely nothing, your purchasing power over time will slowly diminish. Unless... And, and I think this is, again, like, yes, saving cash is important if you want to be able to get leverage. And leverage is, when we mean leverage, we're saying debt. If, if I want to be able to buy a house, I have to save the money to get that purchasing power. 
Um, but I think the beautiful thing about investing in stocks and these kind of things is it's liquid yep. um, and it's it's real time. Yeah, you're not you don't necessarily have to go into debt in order to. Um, and it's probably at best you don't go into debt either. Yeah, exactly. Definitely don't trade on margin. No. 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 Okay, so then we, we flip the script now and we go into active investing. What is active investing? Give us a because this is your nutshell, right? This, this is, is what I do, yeah. This is what you do. This is your profession. So there's all types of different active investments because so I spend all of my time researching uh, into various companies looking for metrics that uh, I resonate with in order to get the best return that I possibly can. But there's all different types. So I could, um, I could use leverage. I could be trading options, I could be using derivatives, um, I could be day trading, I could be swing trading. So there's all these different types. Um, you can also do that, like active investing also doesn't just exist in this realm. Like you can be an active investor with property and almost that's what almost what a property developer is, right? Yeah, or flipping houses or whatever the case may be. So yeah, there's still there's examples in whatever asset class you choose. Um, I just happen to be mostly equities. Yeah. So then when we're, when we're looking at, okay, let's let's kind of dive in. When we're active investing with stocks, what's the process, right? So you said that you invest, you would research companies. So if someone out there right now is not an active investor, but they might want to become an active investor, what, are, what advice do you give them? Shit, okay. Uh, I would probably start with the brands that you know and you resonate with the, the most. So you look at a brand like Apple. So when they first brought out the iPhone, I, I was a late adopter to the iPhone, but as soon as I got it, I realized that this thing's here to stay and they're building out this ecosystem with the iTunes store and the app store and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I knew that that was just going to get bigger in time. And if you had have invested in Apple back in those days, back in the, the GFC and that sort of thing, you'd be up tenfold by now. Um, and the same applies to you could invest in wherever you buy your, uh, your groceries from. So you could buy into, uh, here in Australia, it could be Woolworths, it could be Coles, um, it could be IGA. Uh, if you've got a phone plan, it, you might want to invest in Telstra. Um, that's probably the best way to get started, just with brands that you're aware of, that you associate with every single day. And then once you sort of build up that solid foundation and once you have skin in the game too, that's when... like it really does make a difference because you start to get a feel for how the markets move uh, and you can sort of try to disassociate your emotions with that money as well um, because money is just a tool that you can use to um, obviously enrich your life. Um, but yeah, so the sooner you, you start to build a solid foundation and you start spending more time learning about it, uh, that's when you can start to look into... Um, I suppose it depends on what your interest is. For me, it's technology, and so I've spent a lot of my time researching different vec uh, technologies and how they work with their network effects and all that sort of thing. But it could be biotech, it could be energy. But I think like the first thing is like I think, and, and one thing you mentioned before is the fact that when you're active investing, you actually have to do your research. Yeah, you got to be spending time. Like it's it's a full time job. Yeah, uh, for me anyway. Uh, it could be something you do part-time if you've got a normal job and um, you want to build your wealth. So it's, I guess it'd be like a side hustle and you still have to dedicate time to that side hustle. It's like a business, right? Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to, if you want that business to prosper, you have to actively do your research on the product and, and these kind of things. And I think a lot of the time when we're, 
uh, we're talking about active investing, we're saying, cool, you actively have to go out and research companies. And it's actually quite interesting at the moment, right, with the whole crypto space because um, you're almost seeing like a lot of investors that are new to the game just jumping on things that are getting inflated by... It's the whole FOMO. FOMO's driving it all, isn't it? By influence, right? Like, yeah. you know, Elon posts about Dogecoin and all of a sudden everybody's investing in Dogecoin. Like, yeah. you know, people are investing in Dogecoin. But you, you've got to be careful of that because you're not doing any research yourself and so you're just jumping on board someone else's uh, advice and that's typically when people get burnt. Yeah. So often people will come to me and they want to learn about investing. They want to learn about active investing and... They'll mention a company um, that they're looking to get into or I might mention a company that I recently invested into and I go to them and I say, uh, don't invest in this company but go away and do some research and come back to me and tell me why I'm investing in it. Because if they can do that, that they've, they've, they're now shown that they've done the work. You know, So it's always beneficial to do your own work into it before you actually invest rather than taking someone else's opinion so that, like i remember you used to come to me with all these <laughs> hot yeah. stock ideas and I'd be like what research have you done and you're like oh it's just a hot tip <laughs> hot I've, tip one of my mates i've had hot, two hot <laughs> tips in my life and both of them have gone down 80 <laughs> percent. well there you go no more hot tips exactly and so often like it is beneficial maybe to invest in them and uh take that hit so that you can learn from It's it. like betting on my mate's horse though, right? Like it's like, yeah. hey, uh, my horse is running tomorrow, like chuck 50 bucks on yeah. it. It's like, that's almost the mindset you've got to take it's with it. Exactly, exactly. But if you're actually wanting to do this and be successful at it, it's like anything. You've got to put in the work. You know, Jordan didn't get good at basketball just from rocking up on game day. You know, he's in there in the gym working relentlessly. Same applies in this industry. This one just happens to deal with numbers and money. And that's your most emotional, oh, that's exactly. the most emotional thing in life. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the crazy thing about right now, right? It's like, there's so much speculation going on. Um, and I think it's, it's, I mean, and, and to be fair, like I'm still in my infancy. Um, I, I, I love doing the research. I'm lucky because I love reading about business. Um, mm. I find it also helps me as a business owner, but um, it's crazy. Like I remember... Um, well, it's, from a business perspective, it's often handy to do your research into a company say within your field that you're looking to invest in because you can take away principles and uh, different practices that they're incorporating in their business which is already a proven uh, business uh, that you can then apply to your own. Yeah, like I'm trying to build a business school at the moment and um, it's interesting like reading up on Coursera. Yeah, you're invested, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know how Coursera... Um, uh, how they generate their revenue, what their growth's like, is this industry going somewhere, what's their business model, you know, uh, who do they partnership with, where are their beachheads, where do they get all their customers, like all of these things are really interesting, what's their network effects like and, and how do they, they kind of, um, you know, what's the utility uh, of the software and, and all of these things kind of factor in and, and then it just starts to shift the, the perception of how I view it, which, which, which is something that I really love but it's interesting, like I think once you shift your mindset as an active investor and you start to move away from these hot tips and, and, and the speculation, um, you know, I think back to my first real big win that I had on OpenPay, um, you know, I got in at like nearly 40 cents, um, but that wasn't a hot tip. That was research I did. You yeah, know, it's based it. on fundamentals and, and sound research. Yeah. And you were investing into a business that was going off the back of the success of Afterpay. Exactly. And that, and that was what initially made me look. I wanted to look what what are the other companies out there? And the thing about OpenPay that I loved was 
they were doing the same thing that Afterpay were doing, except they were doing it in different sectors. They weren't healthcare. They weren't uh, like home uh, hardware. So they had the contracts with Bunnings. And I go, Bunnings is huge. Yeah. They had they were in talks with England. Now they're the biggest um, provider in England. Like they just announced the other day. I'm out oh, wow. now, yeah. by the way. But yeah. now they're the biggest provider for England for automotive and hardware. Yeah. Um, and and so I got in, and and you know I think I ended up get, getting about 10x on it. But compared to you know the quick tips that you get um, on companies you know nothing about, I think the thing about that is you don't know when to sell, and that's the most important thing. You don't know when to sell. Well, you're you're basing everything off the price. And if you're investing for the long, t- unless you're a day trader or you're a swing trader, that's the last thing you want to be worrying about. When you are investing uh, into businesses that you want to hold for the long term, the price is the most irrelevant thing possible. Uh, you want to just make sure that you're investing in a very sound business that has strong fundamentals, has strong leadership in place. Uh, if you buy into a company that is $100 a share, but all of those things are checked off, that thing will be... Uh, very cheap in the long run you know that that thing might grow to a thousand dollars a share like like when i invested in shopify same thing applied they at the time they were considered very expensive and yet they've grown into this uh, multiple because they've grown so much because their business was rock solid and it's only benefited more because of covid so what are those fundamentals then? Because I think we can say invest in these fundamentals, but what are the fundamentals? So, as I say, so that, that that's different for anybody though. So for me, I look at a business that is cash, um, like has a lot of cash on the balance sheet. They're not carrying a lot of debt. Um, they've got strong cash flows. They don't necessarily have to be profitable, um, but you want to see that they're generally they're <laughs> that working towards cash sense. flow positive. Like so, for somebody listening to that, that's not going to make sense, right? So they don't have so so they're not profitable. Yeah but they've got a lot of cash on the balance sheet. So yeah. they could have raised that money though. Yeah. So I understand okay, it, but yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. people at yeah. home. So they could have gone out and, and done a public offering where they would have diluted their shares uh, in order to, to raise money from either the public market or from VCs or private equity or something like that in order to continue to um, grow their um, their platform and their, their users. So what that means is like, you know, uh, Basically, you're generating cash from something. It could be a loan. It could be shares. It could be something like that. That cash then sits on the balance sheet as working capital. Um, But this company still isn't actually profitable. Yeah. Um, But then I want to look at a company that is growing those cash flows so that they're at a point where they can uh, be self-sufficient in the future. And so we've recently seen like... um, Tesla's just become cash flow positive. Uh, well. So what you're looking yeah. for, like when, when you're looking at some of these, like this is what the results are, right? So companies release results on a quarterly basis. So you could have a company that might not be profitable, but what we're looking for is revenue growth. What we're looking for is improved gross margins because you, you want to see that their margins are getting better over time. They're not getting worse at producing whatever they're producing. Um, you want to see maybe... Uh, they may not be profitable yet, but they're becoming more profitable. So they might be negative 20%, but we want to see them getting to 15%, negative 15% next quarter. Yeah. And we want to see that that kind of... And that's what Tesla's done. Like yeah. Tesla, you know, everybody kind of almost loves to sink the, the, the heels in or sink the slipper into Tesla and kind of get on their back. Um, but the reality is, is over time, they've gone from a company that didn't really make sense, but they've just continuously produced results and and gotten better and better and better to this point where they're now profitable um which is a good sign of you know think about if you had invested in tesla 
from those good signs back in the day well good leadership or you could argue there's no better um in 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 the world um you know and they had the access to cheap capital too so they were able to uh, have quick cash injections onto their balance sheet in order to keep their operations going in order to um grow their user base and all that sort of thing as well and and what you mean by that right is is um the fact that they had great leadership means that they could get that access to cheap capital. Like you got Elon Musk, nobody's there's there's probably not many people out there that aren't going to give Elon their money. Any business that's led by a great marketer has that ability to raise money really quickly and easily. Like Amazon with Jeff Bezos, he is probably a number one example of it. Uh, Reed Hastings with Netflix as well, mm. another company that was just able to grow because they were able to just put money onto the balance sheet. And then even though they're spending it left, right and centre, they've now grown into these valuations where they're now cash flow positive and now turning profitable. And that's what you're looking for when it comes to um, leadership. You're looking for some of those people ahead of their time, you know, yeah. like thinking about this, the modern age, right? This like, mostly applies to technology companies though. Yeah. Um, different metrics apply to different industries. Yeah. Uh, so banks is a very, very different ballgame. Um, telecom another different ballgame um energy insurance all very very different if you're an active investor right so this is probably a question if you're an active investor we talk a lot about you know what are these companies that are going to get you that exponential growth right and and we talked about passive investing versus active investing um and and then there's there's probably another level above that where it's like you trying to invest in companies that are going to be or give you that exponential growth um and i guess what you said that you're invested in technology and reading between the lines uh for the people at home is you're looking for that exponential growth and i think that's the thing is when you and and mike maples talked about this on a podcast and he said you know what he he, mike maples owns floodgate which is a venture capital firm so they they basically invest in companies provide that money that we talked about on the balance sheet so that it can grow at the early stages um but he talked about inflections and, and almost what I think on a very, I mean, there's probably a lot more to it, but on a very basic level, he's talking about trends. He's saying, what are the trends? Um, yeah. Where's the world going? Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to try investing companies that you think um, are futuristic in with their product, their leadership, um, and, and, you know, have that the ability to generate that cheap capital. But their business model, their product and everything is looking towards the future because that's where that exponential growth comes in. Like you invested in Shopify years ago, right? So, uh, you know, throughout COVID, Shopify just went bang. But that's because I was able to identify the macro trend that we were moving more towards an e-commerce sort of world as opposed to retail stores and that sort of thing. So that's where uh, your second and third level thinking comes into play. Um, which is a lot of what Nassim Taleb talks about in Black Swan. You need to have those second and third level thinking in order to um, to really um, make it profitable uh, investments. Uh, so a key industry that has been really hot um, that hasn't performed so well has been uh, the cannabis industry, uh, which is so saturated but also very uh, low margins and that sort of thing. And so people have been trying to jump on board the cannabis industry and determine which one's going to be the best performer. The best performer has been a hydroponics company, mm. the company that provides the actual equipment needed, so not actually um, the, the technology of cannabis, um, but instead the supplier. Uh, so I think it was Growgen. Um, that's the company. And they've grown, I don't know, stupid amount over the last couple of years, and they've been the biggest benefactor 
as opposed to these cannabis uh, companies. And so that's the way that I sort of uh, look at it. You have to first identify the macro trend. Once you do that, look at the players within that field. And sometimes you have to throw a bit of money, do the VC sort of thing, throw a bit of money uh, and spray it over a couple of them and hope that one of them is going to be the one that uh, wins out. The others may lose, but that's okay. I think that's that's kind of like, you know, I mean, that's that's the Tesla, right? It's like people look at Tesla as a car company and then that's why they can't seem to justify the price. Mm. But in reality, you know, you talked about the hydroponics company um, being the most valuable in that industry. Well, you know, Tesla's producing a lot of the technology that's going into sustainable energy. Yeah, they're, they're actually a, they're a, lot, a battery company. Yeah, they're they're like, a lot bigger yeah. than, than that. And I think that's your second and third order thinking. Like, yeah. yeah, if you look at Tesla as a car company, it doesn't make sense. If you look at Tesla as sustainable energy and you, you think the world at some point is going to move towards this yeah. model, yeah. these guys are so far ahead of everything mm-hmm. that you'd be you'd be silly not to be invested in them because what you're relying on is other companies being able to produce the same technology at the rate, at the scale that they are. And they've got a product that is already um, solidified in society that now can, that's almost the platform for them to be able to take it to that next level. And I think that's that second and third order thinking that allows you to see exponential growth, right? And that's almost like with me with OpenPay, right? It's like I looked at OpenPay and I go, okay, is this business model going to be around? Is it proven? Yes. Well, Afterpay have done it and they've done it really well. Okay, well, what about OpenPay? And I did my research. I did my research into Zip. I did into all of them. I didn't get into Zip, but that ended up going bananas. But OpenPay for me was like, it's highly differentiated. Is healthcare going anywhere? No. Are houses going anywhere? No. Is Bunnings going anywhere? No. You know, that was enough for me to say, okay, I think at, at the least, do I think I can make money on these guys? Hey, at fifty cents a share, I'm going to take a punt, right? And and then I think I sold out at around five dollars fifty. So mm-hmm. it ended up working out really well. But yeah, I think that second and third order thinking as an active investor is really important. Yeah, and so you only critical. you only get that from that research that you were talking about. Yeah, that's it. And that that you get that from also the people that you follow on your socials mm-hmm. uh, and the people that you surround yourself with every day. Uh, because you want to be talking to people who are in the know and they um, they have a sense of where the future is going. If you're just in your, your inner circle and you're not having these sort of conversations, you'll never have that second and third order thinking. I think it's so important. Um, I reckon this is probably the final, the final subject. But, I mean, the power of social networks, and, and this is in anything in life. This is you want to become a better person. You know, you hang around... Um, bad people that do the wrong thing and and their moral compass is in the right area you're going to eventually evolve into that kind of person um if you want to become wealthy or you want to build wealth um you know unfortunately being in a poor environment surrounded by poor people that's not going to help that cause um and it's the same with basically anything if you want to become a good investor um the people you follow uh you know we use twitter right and and i'm actually fuck i love twitter right it's one of those things that i don't use it like other social media platforms, I'm only following 20 or 30 people and I might check it once every two days. But when I check it, I'm like reading for like maybe an hour or two. And I think if people could start to use social media as their social network and, and actually start to build their social network and who they spend their time with around where they want to go in life, um, you know, that's power. That's how you grow a business. Mm-hmm. That's that's everything in life. Social networks are absolutely everything. You talked about it before, network effects. Um so do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, right? What you mean by who you follow, how, who you surround yourself with, who you talk to? 
Well, so I've actually now started incorporating people who have conflicting views mm. on my own and the people Taleb. that I follow. Yeah, because uh, that's one way for you to challenge your thinking, you know, and to uh, develop a resolve around the decision that you've made. Uh, so that's, in my opinion, one of the best ways to, um, to be accountable to yourself is to follow those conflicting views and, and actually challenge your way of thinking and that allows you to have those second and third order thinking um, principles as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I follow um, your Kathy Woods, your Elon Musk, and these sort of people on um, Twitter, your Jack Dorsey, all these sort of people who are in the know and who are building towards the future mm. because they're the ones, those forward thinkers are the ones that you want to be um, capturing in your day-to-day life because that builds on your subconscious. You know, and if you can uh, build that into the way that you do things, you start applying those principles to your own actions. And it's it's just the way the world works. You want to be pulled forward, you know, and these sort of people are pulling people forward as opposed to having someone try to push you up the hill. 100%. Yeah. All right. Investors Podcast, episode three in the books. Um, we appreciate everyone for listening. We're getting a lot of support at the moment, so we really appreciate that. Um I can't say it's actually quite rewarding for us, but it's also it's also great to hear um, how people are actually using this information and saying, you know, this 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 has really helped me. This is this is really good. Um, so uh, we really appreciate the support, guys. Um, without you guys supporting the podcast, we actually can't continue to do this. It just doesn't make sense. So the support and and the the messages and everything um, helps keep us uh, helps keep pushing us forward and. Uh, we're going to start kind of building this out and, and really trying to build, um, you know, what is uh, the hub of life-changing conversations here. Um, but the other thing that we need is is we need to also know what you guys want to hear. Yeah, we need to know what you want to learn um, so that we can start to put together um, episodes and go find guests for you guys in all of the different elements, all the different episodes we're putting together. So really appreciate it and we'll see you next week. Cheers.